Are you an Aussie tradie and your paperwork is shady? Do the darkest farm side keep you up late at night? Are you sick of pushing paper? Swinging your tools the more you gave up. Call us the tricks of your trade. Welcome to the Tricks of Your Trade podcast, where we talk about trade business topics to help you get through business life unscathed. Does the bill to pay you late and your cash flow fluctuates? Do you dread the office work? Can't afford a full-time clerk? Consider working smarter. Don't be a business smarter. Call us the Tricks of Your Trade. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Tricks of Your Trade podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Serson, construction adjudicator and director of Tricks of Your Trade. Today, what we're talking about on this podcast is trade credit insurance. And one of my biggest bugbears with my clients is that a lot of people think of uh, not getting paid as something that only happens in your worst nightmare. And it's actually something that happens really common all the time in commercial transactions and particularly in the construction industry where we've got lots of things to argue about. Now, trade credit insurance policy policies are relatively new to uh the commercial world and one of the things that uh, I wanted to talk about on this podcast is some of the ways that you can make sure that you can get paid that don't involve you having an argument with your builder and so I've got a special guest on the podcast today I've got Liam Davies he's a senior account executive at Presidium Trade Credit Insurance Brokers now Liam welcome and thank you very much for your time um, I just want to come right out the gates and assume that our listeners don't know what a trade credit insurance policy is. Are you able to give us a little bit of an explanation about what that is? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks, Michelle, for having us on. Um, yeah, so, so as you say, you know, we, we're a specialist trade credit insurance broker. Uh, so, so this is the only insurance that we do. Um, I guess it's our bread and butter and we don't offer any sort of general lines. Um, so, so what is trade credit insurance in, in a nutshell, uh, basically protects businesses against non-payments um, due to their, their debtor or the builder going insolvent. Um, a, a standard policy will pay out 90 cents in a dollar. Uh, and there's usually an excess that applies to the policy as well. So as an example, if um, you know, a subcontractor uh, is owed hundred grand by the builder, mm-hmm. uh, the builder goes insolvent, then you know, the client can claim. Um, so the excess is taken off first. The lowest excess is around $2,500. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then 90% applies. And that's how I said get in, in the event of a claim. Yeah, right. And so it's really a safety net in terms of if you find yourself in a situation where your builder's paying you late or not paying or refusing payment uh, and then suddenly goes broke. Is, have I got that right? Yeah, essentially, yeah. Yeah, righto. And so you guys have got offices all over the country, don't you? So it doesn't matter what state a subcontractor, an Aussie subby is working in, you guys can provide services in every state and territory. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. I'm personally based in, in Brisbane, just in just in Ashgrove there. But, um, but yeah, we've got offices in Brisbane, Sydney and Melbourne. Um, and yeah, clients... <clears throat> clients nationally as well and, and also New Zealand um, I think we've got about 400 clients now uh, across the country mm-hmm. um, and we've got um, so Presidium that there's four directors that own the business uh, two in Sydney that founded it six years ago and I believe uh, one in Melbourne and one here in Brisbane um, and yeah all that we've got about 14 14 employees across the company mm-hmm. uh, 
yeah, we, we're only sort of growing and um, yeah, getting getting market share, I guess. Yeah, great. So um, one of the reasons that I was attracted to talking to you in particular on this podcast is that as a construction industry person that deals in contract disputes, I am always asking you the hardest questions and I have quite a lot of brokers who do contact me publicly on LinkedIn and whatnot. And I've asked a few other brokers the same questions and they've never been really able to answer them for me. So you're the only person that I've ever come across, Liam, who's always been able to answer my questions. So I do want to throw that out there for our listeners that, you know, this is not a sales podcast. This is an informative podcast to help you guys understand what's available to you to help you get paid uh, by your builder. And so in terms of trade credit insurance policies, one of my biggest frustrations is that a lot of subcontractors see a trade credit insurance policy as a gamble. And they think that they're going down to the casino and they're going to throw 10 grand a year into the pokies and they might get 100 grand out or 200 grand out or whatever. And it seems to be that in the way that they're thinking about things, it's not a loss aversion concept to them. They're not actually registering that this is not extra money that you will have in your cash flow. If things go bad and you're not being paid by your builder, this is money that you are actually going to need to recover to keep your operations going. And so it really is a life-saving device or a business-saving device, an insurance policy for your business uh, if you're not being paid. Do you tend to get that uh, perception of people sometimes, Liam, when they're talking to you about what does a trade credit insurance policy cost for me to pay every year? And so they try and think, oh, well, you know, will I get that money back? Do you hear that often? Yes, sometimes, um, especially new business. And probably start by saying, you know, trade credit insurance isn't, it's not a cheap product, um, but, but you've got to weigh it up against, you know, the risk of losing, losing 100 grand here or 200 grand there. Um, so, yeah, so, so sometimes, you know, companies will look at it and, they usually balk at the cost, but when you dig a bit deeper and look at the actual exposure of, of the debtor's ledger, um, then often it's, it's a no-brainer, you know, and it's has good, good value for money, in, in my opinion. Um, yeah, definitely. I suppose uh, the other comparison that you could throw out there is that there are a bunch of subbies uh, who are getting coaching from trade business coaches. They're paying them around about $1,000 a month to grow their revenue exponentially at a fast rate. Uh, and, you know, you question, well, if you're going to invest in coaching, I'm not dissing coaching when I say that. I do, um, I do think coaching is a pretty good thing to get. But, you know, if you're going to look at apples for apples and say, well, where am I putting my money? Uh, if I'm going to be growing my revenue, I'm also growing my contractual risk. And like you said earlier, taking on new customers, uh, there is that inherent risk of not being paid. You don't know who you're dealing with. You don't have a track record with them as yeah. well. Um, so interestingly, a lot of subbies ask me, how do I do due diligence on my builder? And one of the things that I always recommend that they do is that they call someone like you for a quote for a trade credit insurance policy, because I'm of the mind that if anybody is going to know if a builder is struggling financially, it's going to be a trade credit insurance company. Is that the case? Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's, a, that's one of the benefits of of having trade credit insurance. Um, so it's about the, you know, prevention is always better than cure. Um, and the insurers do do their due diligence on, on the builders. Um, 
you know, so they've been doing their credit checks and, and their credit assessments. And the insurer's actually got to approve a credit limit on the policy before um, before they're insured, I guess. So, mm -hmm. yeah, and, and there's different ways that the insurers do their credit checks. So I guess the gold standard would be financials. Um, so, so some builders lodge their financials publicly on ASIC. Um, so when they're available, the insurers will be checking them financials every year. Um, you know, are, are they profitable? Are, are they growing? Um, have they got assets? Have they got cash in the business? Uh, all that sort of stuff. Um, and that usually reflects the, the credit limit. So, um, you know, if a business is making losses and they're cash poor and all that sort of stuff, then it's going to be a lot harder getting, getting cover in that instance. Um, where, where a company doesn't lodge their financials publicly, uh, it's becoming more common that the insurer or the broker will actually reach out directly to the builder to request them financials. Um, obviously, it's all on a confidential basis and it's purely for, for underwriting purposes. Um, yeah, so financials is the gold standard. And there is other ways that the insurer will you know, do, their, do their due diligence. So they'll purchase credit reports from different credit bureaus, so Ilion and uh, Equifax and all that sort of stuff. Um, they'll check out the, the age of the business as well. So how long have they been trading? If it's a brand new startup, then um, you know, they're probably gonna get a lower, lower level of cover than a longstanding 20, 30 year old business. Um, they'll also check out the directors. Have they got you know, previous businesses that they've um, that have gone gone belly up? Um, so all, all this information sort of getting poured in uh, to, to their sort of algorithm mm. and the, the decisions are made yeah, based on that, the total sum of information, I guess. Yeah, that's great. And so I suppose you guys are getting real-time information back from your customers too, aren't you? Because, you know, if you've got 400 plus uh, clients on your books across the country uh, and they're reporting back to you for any notifiable event where, you know, say, for example, a builder comes right out and says, we can't afford to pay you. And they say that to one of their subbies down in Sydney, uh, but you're looking after a subbie up in Queensland and it's that same builder, but you, you know, obviously Presidium comes across that information. Uh, that way then that would potentially go into the big giant information bank in the sky, wouldn't it? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, exactly. That's a good point. Um, so yeah, it, it's about, you know, feet on the ground. If you know, if we've got three or four clients reporting the same builder overdue, um, that's a bit of an alarm bell and probably the blue sign of, uh, of insolvency, I guess. Yeah, it's actually interesting because I've had clients in the last two years that have had trade credit insurance, and even just by going back to their builder and saying, "Hey, if you guys don't pay me by Friday, I've got to notify my trade credit insurer, and if I notify them, you could end up." having your credit limit, uh, your credit reputation, you know, is affected publicly. Um, and, you know, we know you don't want that. And so oftentimes that's just enough leverage for the subby to get themselves paid because these builders now are starting to understand that this really is real-time information. It's like if you don't pay your Telstra bill and then you try and get a car loan, you, you know, you've got a little bit of a black mark against your name. Yep, spot on. Yeah, so so most businesses offer you know 30, 30 day end of month payment terms. Um, a standard credit insurance policy uh, will allow an additional sixty days from due date. Um, so essentially, it's ninety days end of month. 
where, where the client can trade with that particular builder um, and be covered. So, so once it hits 90 days, that's when it becomes reportable on the policy. Um, and yeah, that, that's when we would call it the relationship period, really. So once that 90 days is up, um, any further trade after that point um, wouldn't be covered on the policy. Yeah. And that's when we recommend they sort of stop trading at that point. Yeah. Um, they've, got a, they've got a 30 day window um, after that 90 days to, to report it overdue. Yeah, for sure. I mean, 90 days is a bloody long time. And, mm. you know, if you're a subby and you're going that long without being paid, um, usually you're you're thinking about doing something about it, aren't you? Or at least you're having a conversation with your builder. I've actually seen uh, some of my clients have used it as a marketing tool for their um, for winning work with builders where they say to them, look, you don't have to worry about whether or not we're going to be solvent. We've got all of our credit insured. And then they're able to say to their builder, you're safe to trade with me. Um, you know, we've got a trade credit insurance policy. The builder over there that we're working on that other job with goes broke. We're still going to get paid. We're still going to be able to service your job. And it gives them that sort of confidence that they can take on more and more work. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Yeah, it's the debtors ledger, it's, it's probably the largest asset in, in a business. Um, often it, it's overlooked. So most companies, they'll ensure, you know, their plant and equipment, um, all that sort of stuff. But, but the debtors ledger, uh, yeah, sometimes it's it's sort of missed. And it's, it's usually one of the largest assets on the book. So if you're insuring that, then of course, you're going to be, um, yeah, in a, in a better position, I guess. So how long would it take then? Say I had a builder that went broke next week. How long would it take for me to get paid any money that I was owed from that builder? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good question. Um, so typically the insurers will uh, will aim to pay out claims with, within 30 days. Yeah, right. Uh, 30 days. Wow, that's even better than the builder would pay really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, 30 days from the insolvency trigger occurring. So right. Yeah administration, liquidation, uh, court judgment trigger, um, all that sort of stuff. It, they usually try to turn it around within 30 days. Um, obviously, you know, cash flow is important. So the insurer wants that money back into the business. Um, for, for smaller debts, so anything sort of less than, than 50 grand, sort of generally speaking, they'll try and turn it around within, you know, within a week or two. Um, yeah. Nice okay. Clean. Um, just to touch on quickly preferential payments, and I, you know, this is not a podcast about preferential payments. I am actually doing a guest expert podcast with special counsel Peter Mills in coming episodes about uh, the PPSR and preferential payments and what that means for subbies. But um, just so that our listeners understand what I'm talking about here, if your builder goes into liquidation and you were paid um, money within the six months immediately preceding the liquidation date, uh, in certain circumstances, the liquidator might be able to come back to you and say, hey, what you got was what's called a preference payment and you shouldn't have received that money. Uh, so give it back to us. We're going to stick it back in the kitty and divvy it all up equally to the other unsecured creditors. And I mean, that is a very basic layperson explanation of a preferential payment. There are other criteria that need to be met for you to have your payment classed as a preferential payment. But uh, the crux of it is that there is that sort of boogeyman risk that even if you did get paid by your builder in the months before he went broke, that you might not be able to keep that money. And so in terms of a trade credit policy, what I have 
sort of been telling clients for the last couple of years is that a liquidator can't take your take your uh, insurance payout back off you, at least if your builder goes broke and you haven't been paid, that money can be paid out under your policy. But what I was really excited to learn this morning from Liam is that some insurance policies actually cover preferential payments as well. Can you tell us a little bit about those policies, Liam? Yeah, so so basically in, in, in a nutshell, so most... Um, most mainstream policies do, do cover preferential payments yeah, um, and it's automatically written into the policy wording. Uh, I will say some of the smaller SME type policies um, don't pick up preferential payments. Um, so just something to be mindful of, but, but most, you know, mainstream policies will. Um, it's slightly different for, for each insurer. Um, and I guess the key things are, you know, the client needs to make sure they've got enough cover in place um, yeah. in terms of credit limits um, and some of the insurers insist that the policy is still with that insurer at, at the time they want to claim on the policy. Yeah, that is so exciting to hear uh, because in terms of sort of getting paid in the construction industry, it's, um, you know, starts with your payment claim and then getting paid is the first hurdle, right? And so a lot of guys think, woohoo, you know, we've got our money quarantined in our bank account, but staying paid uh, when it comes to builders going broke, can be one of the most heartbreaking, um, you know, soul-destroying processes to go through. And one of the podcasts that I'll be doing in coming weeks is actually with the subcontractor whose builder went, uh, who's had several builders go broke uh, while he was trading. His subcontracting company ended up going broke and went into, so he lost his business uh, as a result of a, a series of insolvencies. And one of the builders who did go broke actually paid him some money on a payment plan. And this guy had to pay the pay the liquidator back that money under a preference payment rule. And I mean, this guy was literally fighting to save his business. He'd done everything right in terms of doing things along the uh, by the book. Unfortunately, when he was in operation, it was just before trade credit insurance policies really became popular. But working with that particular client was what educated me about trade credit insurance policies. And, um, you know, I, I'm very hesitant to advocate for any particular product because I, I think that there can be um, some dangers in that. But this seems like a no-brainer. And I'm even more forming the view that if you can't afford a trade credit insurance policy, then you can't afford to be in business because you really need to be insuring the money that people owe you. So uh, having said that, the other thing that really bloody worries me about this stuff, Liam, is that these subbies sometimes get a trade credit insurance policy and stick it in the drawer and set and forget, and they don't ever pull it out to see what they have to do to make sure that they keep their policy active. And so I have helped clients in the past where they have been at risk of voiding their trade credit insurance policy because they haven't notified of a notifiable event if something's gone bad. Uh, and I just wanted to touch on that with you if I can. Um, yeah, so so you're right. It's, you know, you, you can't sort of set and forget trade credit insurance. It, it's quite a sort of hands-on type of product. Um, and I guess some of the key things really, so, so making sure throughout the year that you've got enough cover in place uh, in, in terms of your credit limits. So, you know, if you, you might have a hundred grand limit on, let's say, Bob the Builder, 
Um, and if he goes broke, owing you say 300 grand, for example, then, then you're only covered up to that 100 grand limit. Um, so it's very important to make sure you've got enough cover in place on your debtors. Um, making sure you've got cover in place at all. So you'd be surprised. I've seen seen some uh, some policies where you know they, they they've got exposures, but they're not covered. Um, so so that's one thing that we Presidium can can add value. So so once a month we'll cross check our clients at debtors ledger against their, the credit limits on the policy, uh, and we'll just make sure that they've got enough cover in place. Um, just just flagging any underinsured accounts and yeah and any debtors where they might not be covered. So that's a value add that we do for all of our clients once a month. Um, and in terms of notifiable events, so so once it hits that ninety day period, uh, it becomes reportable. Um, and again, that's where we'll flag any accounts that that might need reporting on the policy as well. Um, yeah. So so the credit limits, uh, making sure you've got enough cover. And making sure you report accounts within the within the timeframes on the policy. Yeah, so that sounds um, you know relatively foolproof. And I know that some of the subbies that I work with, their brokers send them a monthly email and say who hasn't paid you this month. And so they just their accounts person just fills it in and it just ticks it over. So um, you know I. I sort of am forming the view that it would be pretty difficult to void your trade credit insurance policy, you know, with the touch points that you guys have got um, as brokers. But I just think the mindset in terms of if you invest in this kind of policy, it's a valuable policy for you to have. You're going to want to be able to rely on it. So it's something that you will keep in the forefront of your mind in terms of preserving. And it's definitely something we address in the subbies toolbox in terms of your admin systems and when you would be reporting back to your trade credit insurer in certain circumstances if you have got uh, overdue invoices and whatnot. Um, the other thing that subbies are constantly up against, you would know this, Liam, um, coming from the world of construction, is the whole retention concept. You know how, you know, the whole retention on the payment claims progressively up until PC and yep. then they get two and a half percent of their retention at PC and then they don't get the rest of their retention for another 12 months most of the time. And I always wanted to know, do you guys, when you have a trade credit insurance policy, is your retention covered under that policy? Yeah, it's, it's a really good question. Um, and I guess the short answer is yes, it is covered if you've got a specific endorsement in the policy wording. Uh, so, so it's not standard on, on all trade credit insurance policies um, and, and you would need a specific clause to cover retentions. Um, and obviously there's additional premium for, for that. Yeah. It's usually around, you know, a 10% loading to add retention. So if the premium's 10 grand, then uh, might be an extra thousand bucks to include retentions cover. Yeah. 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 It seems like a pretty important thing to do though, because I know, you know, in terms of if you're looking at contractual risk, the duration of the contract plays a part because you're essentially increasing the amount of time that the builder has available to them to go broke. Yeah, uh, right. So you really need to make sure that if they're holding your retention in their bank account for 12 months, uh, you know, if if it's a viable amount that you're really looking at making sure that's covered. Yeah, that's why some of the insurers are a bit hesitant in, in including retentions covered because it is such a long time frame. It is. Uh, because they're taking on that risk essentially for 
uh, for 12 months. Yeah, and it's definitely something that I mean, I know that subcontractors might look at bank guarantees instead, uh, depending on the value of the retention that the builder might be holding as well. So, you know, there's definitely some options there. So I've just got one last question for you, Liam, and it just, I I touched before on, um, you know, if, if subbies set and forget their trade credit insurance policy and they don't notify you guys of a notifiable event. Yeah. Uh, it what would happen if a subby was to get into a Barney with a builder and say, for example, they had like a proper genuine dispute and they went through an adjudication and that uh, process was, you know, it's essentially a debt recovery process where you're pursuing a payment claim. Uh, is there any risk by doing those types of debt recovery measures or say it was something like a subcontractor's charge or a contractor's charge or something like that where the, you know, the subcontractor is essentially trying to, recover payment uh is there any risk there that they could inadvertently void their insurance policy if they didn't notify that they commenced debt recovery proceedings um yeah it's, it's a good point um disputes uh so, so technically they, they would need to report it to the insurer um if they engage you know an external collection agent um, if it's their own sort of internal collections trying to recover the money, then, then they wouldn't need to know about it. But if they formally engage someone external to collect it there, especially if it's overdue past the um, past the extension period on the policy, then then yes, it would be reportable on the policy. Um, and our you know our policy is, if in doubt, pick up the phone and, and ask the question. If you're not quite sure if your if your policy is going to be voided then yeah just just ask the question it's all about communication i guess when it comes to uh, managing your policy yeah definitely and i have heard um on the grapevine that some insurers actually have in-house teams who can assist you with debt recovery is that the case yeah that, that's correct yeah so some of the insurers uh, they've got their own internal collections um they will actually you know c- cover any collection and legal costs up to certain levels uh for, for our clients um, and there is other insurers that they've got their own preferred agencies that they will use. So, yeah, it's all, it's all part of the package, I guess. So it's the insurance, the, uh, the credit checks, the, the collections, um, the, the whole kit and caboodle, I guess, in terms of re- receivables risk. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, I'm going to wrap it up there because I don't want to keep our listeners uh, listening too long on these podcasts but thank you very much for your time today and um, once again you've been able to answer every single question that I throw at you and that's pretty rare uh, from what I've seen in terms of brokers around the place so uh, my clients will know and anyone listening uh, into this podcast will know that I don't take any commissions or incentives for any kind of referrals. I will only ever recommend somebody to you if I think that they are shit hot at what they do. And Liam Davies, uh, you yet again have um, come up with the goods. So definitely get my endorsements. Well, thanks for that. Thanks for having me on, Michelle. Yeah, it's, it's been good. First podcast I've ever done. So um, a little bit unprepared, but no, it's, yeah, it's really good, actually. Thank no, you. A plus, mate. You did a great job. So I'm actually going to put your contact details in the notes to this podcast. So anyone listening to this that wants to contact Liam Davies at Presidium, uh, grab your phone, get into the notes on this podcast episode, and you will be able to go through the contact details on that link to get in touch. 
But that wraps us up for this episode of the Tricks of Your Trade podcast. I hope you all have a fantastic weekend.